Amen. Praise God. Go with me, please, to 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, the title of this message, and I hope it sticks with you. I hope you never forget it. The title is, Please God, Show Up. We're going to see some things, and you've you got to have your cameras. You've got to take pictures of what's going on. You've got to let those pictures absorb into your spirit as we go through this so that you'll see what's going on with Israel, with Elijah, with Ahab, with Jezebel, all that's going on in their lives and why it is so important. So go with me. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 through 40. Now, actually, this scripture, and I'll read it and I'll share some things, this scripture is actually the conclusion of my message. No, we're not going to pray and go home. What I needed to do was get the picture painted and then go back like a puzzle and put the pieces together in the puzzle so that when we come to the end of it, you'll see why the pieces fit where they fit in. Making any sense? Making any sense? Okay. 1 Kings chapter 18. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, remember now we're taking pictures, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep focusing on the words that he's saying, okay? O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, licked up all the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, Elijah brought them down to the brook at Kishon and slew them there. Please, God, show up. Well, what's going on? Question. Why does God want Elijah to show up? Remember, we ask a lot of questions. Number one, he wants God to prove to everybody that he is God. Why do I want God to show up in my life, Gary? Because I want people who see me and watch me and think about me to think about God and what God has done in my life. He wants God to show up so that people will see who he is. Prove that you're God, he's saying. Then he goes on and says, oh, one more thing, God, one more thing. Prove that I'm your servant. Remember now, one prophet, Elijah, for the whole nation of Israel. One, and the nation's going crazy and we'll get there. He said, I want you to prove that you're God. I also want you to prove I am your servant to this nation. And I also want to prove something else, that I am faithful to you. What you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. But I need you to show up and understand what's going on so that they will see that you are God. Answer me, he said. Answer me 
so that the people will know you are God and you will turn their hearts back to you. You're taking pictures? Are you reading between the lines? There's something going on and we need to understand what it is. Where was their heart? Where was their affection? Israel. Let me tell you something. They're not only mixed up, they're messed up. They're confused because there's a new God in town and his name is Baal. B-A-A-L. Some people call it Baal, Baal, Baal. Okay? And connected with Baal is this sweet, lovely lady. She is so lovely. You just want to sit right next to her in church. Her name is Jezebel. We'll get there. We'll get there. Take pictures. Take pictures. Baal and Jezebel. And so the scripture tells us that fire comes down from heaven, consumes the entire sacrifice, which we'll deal with in a while, cleans everything up. Cleans up the animal that they sacrificed, the wood, the straw, uh, the, the seed that he put in the trench, the water that he, he cleaned it all up. And what was the reaction when Israel saw it? Verse 39, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord is God. Yes, he took the 450 prophets of Baal and killed them. We'll get to that in a little while. But we need to now put some pictures, some pieces in the puzzle. Remember when we were kids? I, I, I have no clue. I literally have no clue as to how many years ago it has been that I ever touched a picture puzzle. Anybody? When's the last time you, you did a picture puzzle? Anybody remember? I have no clue. But I do remember how you do it. You take all the edges, the square edges, the line, and you put them, you know, you do. So you make the parameters, don't you? And once you make the parameters, then you start looking. This piece belongs to me, and you start doing this. And little by little, you put the pieces together until the picture is complete. That's what we're going to do today, okay? Go back to uh, chapter, chapter 18, verse 16 through 19. And now we're going to see how to begin all of this good stuff. Obadiah goes to meet Ahab and said to Ahab, uh, Ahab went to meet Elijah. Let me, let me repeat that again. Okay, a, a, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went, went to meet Elijah. Elijah wants to meet Ahab. Elijah's the prophet. Ahab is the king. So Obadiah goes and puts this meeting together. Okay, go ahead. Then Ahab saw Elijah. Now Ahab's the king. He's a Jew. Are you listening? Ahab said to him, is this you, you troubler of Israel? He's talking to the prophet. Is this you, you troubler of Israel? He, Elijah, said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you followed the Baals. Ahab meets with Elijah. All of Israel is there. All of Israel is watching. We've got Ahab the king, Elijah the prophet, we've got Israel there, we've got 450 prophets of Baal there, and we've got 400 additional prophets that are of Baal, but they deal with the Asherah, and the Asherah is the significant symbol of absolute immorality like you can't believe. Nothing, it was worse than anything we could figure out today. It was a place where you went to be immoral. 
450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of immorality, okay? And what Elijah wants to do is he wants to confront the problem. Have you ever had to do that? Ahab, the king, sloppy, terrible religious leader. He's no religious leader whatsoever. Abraham marries Jezebel, who was a Gentile. And Jezebel is no less than demonic from day one. Okay? We've got one prophet for Israel. We've got 450 prophets of Baal and four other, 400 other prophets of Baal. And Ahab is messed up totally with his structure of leadership in Israel. To the point where they don't know what they're doing. Okay? I, I just, I don't understand this. I really don't. I have a hard time. Because Ahab is Jewish and he knows he has certain responsibilities. But he's so taken up with Jezebel that he says to Jez, he says, Jez baby, he called her Jez baby. Oh, here's what I want you to do. Why don't you just take over the religious atmosphere of the country? And she does. Might be news to you, but Jezebel wants to kill Elijah. So does Ahab want to kill Elijah. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So he gives her spiritual authority to Jezebel. And guess what Jezebel decides she should do? I know some of you know this. But Jezebel said to Ahab, she said, Ahab, honey, she said, I got an idea. Baal, the god Baal, talked to me, spoke to my spirit. What did he say to you, baby? Well, he said, Jez, why don't you start a new procedure? What would be that be? Well, tell the mothers and fathers of brand new babies that they should throw these brand new babies into the fire as a sacrifice to Baal, and Baal will bless them for it. What's the other word we use for that today? Abortion. This is where it started. This is the lady that's helping Daddy, the king, lead Israel in a spiritual walk. Burn the babies and let Baal just bless the socks off of you. Is Israel off track? I think they're off track. Okay? Uh, there's a spirit of Jezebel in Israel. Jezebel is at war with Israel. Jezebel is at war with Elijah because she hates him. Jezebel is at war with the church today, this very day. I need you to understand that. The condition of our country is based on that spirit of Jezebel that has worked its way into our system, and it is still there today. And I'm telling you, God is going to destroy it with fire. Jezebel's at war with everybody, including you, including me. So Elijah's had enough. So we go to verse 20 and 21. He's got everybody together. Ahab's, Ahab's there. Elijah's there. All of Israel's there. 450 prophets of Baal. The other 400 prophets. And now we're going to deal with Elijah talking to Israel. And he's saying in verse 20, Abraham sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two options? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Hang on. 
We got a business meeting. Israel, Ahab, Elijah, the prophets. And Elijah is saying, you need to make up your mind. You need to choose somebody. Folk, I need to make that as clear as I possibly can. And I know you love God. But we all do our thing in life. And we got family members who do it. We need to decide who we are going to serve. Whether we're going to serve Baal, who is a mess and messes everybody's life up. Or whether we really are going to serve God. Make up your mind. If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. That's a, that's a horrible statement to make from the, prof, the prophet of the Lord. But what he's saying to all of us is, you better know what you're doing. And you better make up your mind. Because what you say, what you do, is going to cause you to live forever in one fashion or another. You choose. You choose how you live. You choose who you serve. You choose what life you will have. Okay? The thing that really interested me was in verse 21, the last part. He goes through all this, this whole thing, and it says, but the people didn't answer him a word. They were just dumbfounded. They've got all the garbage around them, Jezebel and all her prophets, Here's the man of God saying, you better make up your mind. And they're going, oh, what do I do now? Question, and this will, be not, this will be more than one time I ask this question. What do we, what do you, what do I have to see to convince us who the real God is? Verse 20 through, 22 through 24. Very interesting. <clears throat> He's talking to the people, and he says, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. I'm the only guy in town. <clears throat> I'm the only fixture in town talking about Jesus. We're the only church in town doing what God wants. And I'm not saying that to be funny with other churches, but you understand what I'm saying. He's telling Israel, this is it. We're the ones that have the message, new hope. We're the ones that have a message, the message to give to who's ever around. He says, I'm the only one here. I'm left the prophet, <clears throat> but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, this is interesting. Let them give us two oxen. Them meaning the prophets of Baal. Let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up. Place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I'll prepare the other ox, lay it on the wood, and I will not put fire under it. Then, you, you prophets of Baal, will call on your God, the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of my God. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. All of a sudden, the people change. Listen, all the people said, that's a good idea. At first, they said nothing, remember? Now that the man of God has come up with a contest, because that's what it is, we're in a contest with the enemy for the souls of your family, your friends, wherever you go, whoever you touch. We're in a contest because the spirit of Jezebel wants to drain every one of them <clears throat> out of the churches and put them into hell. Now the people are saying, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Well, 450 prophets against one guy. Do you like those odds? 
See, something's got to be going on in your heart if you're willing to take that kind of challenge. Something has to be happening in your spirit when you stand up alone and you look at everybody out there and say, God is God. I'm going to serve God. And everybody looks like at you like you're crazy. That's what's happening. This is the picture you need to see. These are the pieces of the puzzle that you're slipping into the puzzle piece by piece by piece. And he says, whoever answers by fire, he's it. I don't know what you need in the way of reassurance about your, your walk with God. I really don't. And it's none of my business. But every one of us needs assurance that God is walking with us. And Gary, I know he's a God of fire. I know he can do this and burn up the garbage in our lives. When we said yes to Jesus, fire came down and cleaned us out. We're not the same. Baal doesn't want that. Jezebel doesn't want that. <clears throat> other people, other religions don't want that. But these people said, okay, that sounds like a rather good idea. Now, here's what's happening. <clears throat> 450 prophets of Baal and Elijah. He lets them go first. Scripture says, and we won't read the scriptures, the scripture says, and I'll just explain it to you, that the prophets of Baal made their own altar, put their wood, all that good stuff, cut up their oxen, put them on that altar, right? It's in the same chapter. And they began to cry out to Baal. I have no idea what they said to him. I don't know how they started. I don't know whether they sang nice, soft worship songs to Baal. I have no idea. But the scripture said they cried out to Baal all day long. And nothing was happening. Elijah's sitting by, watching, <laughs> laughing. Midday comes and nothing's happened. They're crying. They're pleading for Baal. Please come, please come, burn us up. Please, God. About halfway through, Elijah mocks them. And says, guys, you know, I, I hear your cry to your, to your God, but you've got to be realistic, guys. Maybe he went to sleep. Maybe he's taking a nap. I mean, you know, some of us like to take an afternoon nap. A nap, amen, Gary? I do. And so Elijah mocks them for their worship to their stupid demonic spirit that they call Baal. The day continues on, and they get to nightfall, and nothing has happened. At that point, the prophets of Baal, 450, begin to cut themselves. I don't want that kind of worship. I don't want that kind of God who wants me to cut myself to make him happy. Something's wrong. And by the time the day's end comes, they are exhausted. Not a thing has happened. Their God has not returned to answer them at all. They give up. So now it's Elijah's turn. I like it. Verse 30. <clears throat> I like this. I really do. <clears throat> They're just dead on their feet, laying on the ground, because nothing has happened. And then Elijah says to all the people, Israel, come near to me. Get close. Let's take a check and see what God wants to do, Gary. Let's hang out together, and let's talk to God together, and let's see if... Something's going Just want to make sure everybody's watching. Because we all saw what happened with the prophets of Baal. Nothing. Except they cut themselves to pieces. So 
Elijah said to the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Well, so that's what he does. The altar is a mess. Elijah mocks them. They're cutting themselves. He repairs the altar, draws all the people to him. When he repairs the altar, he takes 12 stones and puts them all in position. And each stone represents one of the tribes of Israel. So he's including the whole nation. Are you with me? He re he's re responding to every tribe, 12 stones. And he rebuilds that altar while everybody is watching him. <clears throat> For some reason, the scripture says he built a trench around the altar. And he put 22 quarts of seed. We don't know what kind of seed. Uh, it, just, it shows what you can check that, what, is, what it shows that it comes out to 22 quarts of seed. He fixed the wood. He cut the ox. He poured 12 pitchers of water in the trench all over the place. The trench is full, and he lays the sacrifice on the altar. Well, aren't we back where we were a few minutes ago with 450 prophets of Baal, Gary? With the exception of the 12 stones that represent Israel and, and the water and the seed. Gee, we're right back where we began. Oh, really? Sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we feel like we've gone through some things and what in the world has happened? But now we're back to the beginning. Take pictures. Put those pieces of the puzzle where they fit in the puzzle. Second time I've asked it, what kind of proof do we need to know that God is God. Verse 36, go back. This is where we came in. And now we're going to see some finale. At the time of the offering, of the evening offering, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Now he's including the nation in his prayer to God. Today, today, let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! Fireworks from heaven! Please, God, show up! That's what He's saying. He's requesting God to show up because he's in a mess with the people who are in a mess. And I need you to show up to straighten out the mess. Someone say amen. amen. Please, God, show up. Does God show up? I think so. God saw it. God heard him say, God, please show up. Please show up. And he does. <clears throat> Verse 39 <clears throat> says revival broke out. Well, let me tell you, if I was sitting in Israel that day and I saw that fire come down and burn up that sacrifice, I'd be jumping up and down for joy. I'd be running to Elijah, not the prophets of Baal. 
I would have been seeing with my own eyes the power and the majesty of an almighty God. And that's what we need to see today. We need to see the power of a God who can step in at any time and consume the garbage in our life with holy fire and bring us out alive and put our feet on solid ground. God is God. Isn't that what we want? Third time I ask this, what kind of proof do we need to know that God is God? I have another question. Is God afraid of the devil? One man, Elijah, faced 450 prophets of Baal and 400 other prophets, looked them square in the eye, and said to them and to the people, if God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Why did he say that? What gave him the nerve to say that? Because Elijah has encountered God. Elijah has encountered evil spirits before. Elijah has seen people shred the truth and how it devastates them when it happens, okay? So he just said, I'm going to deal with my God. I'm going to deal with the God of fire. Well, what's at stake for Israel? The whole nation is at stake. They've been following this crazy woman named Jezebel. She doesn't sound crazy. She doesn't look crazy. We've got that going on in our country right now, and I don't, I don't need to get into politics. You're smart enough to know what's going on in our country. And I think things are going to change, like, quickly. Quickly. Israel is at stake. The whole nation is at stake. Our country is at stake. Do you think I'm talking to God and saying, please, God, show up? Could we kind of put that in our prayers from now on? And when that fire came down, the entire nation of Israel returned to God. Guess what happened to Jezebel and Ahab? Anyone? Go ahead. Shut it out. They died. At the prophetic word of Elijah. Is it any wonder that Jezebel hated them? She went out to try to kill him. He told her how she was going to die. He told Ahab how he was going to die. And guess what? God showed up. No. God has not given us the authority to go out and kill people. So put your guns away. At least hide them. But he's given us the authority to fight in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, Israel returns to God. What's at stake? We know what's at stake for Israel, but what's at stake for us? I'm going to try to close. Try. Our personal war with Satan. Look at me. He is after your family. He is after my family. He's the Jezebel spirit. He is after us to destroy us. He is after our kids and our grandkids. I pray for my kids almost every day. All my babies, 25 of them. Because I know the devil wants to destroy them. Just like he wanted to destroy Israel. You've got family members, you've got sons, daughters, grandsons, whatever you've got. And you're praying for them all the time. May I suggest you keep praying? And may I suggest perhaps that you put a little new uh, twist in your talk to God before you pray. <laughs> you say, kind of, please God, show up. 
Sound like a good opening to a prayer? Please, God, show up. Please, God, show up. That's Elijah. He said, where are you? Show up. And he showed up. And if we will take that attitude into our own spirit, if we will allow ourselves to depend on the presence of God to show up, whatever situation we are in, God will send the fire from heaven and he will purify what's being destroyed by Jezebel and by the devil. He's after your family. He's after my family. He's after my friends, your friends. You know who they are. They're good people. You love them. They're quite, not, not quite sure. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They keep looking at you, though, don't they? They keep thinking, well, why, why does Nick go to church all the time? It must be because he likes that short, dark, wonderfully rugged, handsome Italian preacher. Why are you laughing? See, we've got friends out there that Satan wants to destroy. <clears throat> he wants to destroy you where you work. He doesn't want you to be the, the strong man in your office. In your, we've got people that God has placed in specific positions in industry that are covering like you can't believe and dealing with issues that no one else could deal with. The devil wants to destroy you and your place. You've got, there are people in this place that have businesses of their own. And you know what that's like. You know what it means to have your own business. You know the responsibility. The devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy you because he doesn't want you succeeding. Because if you succeed, other people are going to see that you're succeeding. And they're going to come and say, how did you manage that? And you're going to say, well, I had the help of the Lord. Really? What do you mean you had the help of the Lord? Well, and then you start. The devil wants to destroy this church. I refuse to let him do that. I'm sorry. As long as I'm alive and I'm able to get here, I'm going to preach the word to you. And I'm going to rebuke the devil every Sunday by doing that. Because this church is the voice in this community. I'm not against the other churches. That's not my style. But you need to know where I'm coming from. You need to know what I'm saying, what I see, what I'm looking for. God came down with fire and consumed that whole sacrifice. And what happened to them, verse 40, death to the prophets of Baal. Final curtain. Final curtain. Okay. Well, we destroy demonic influence through prayer and fasting and through love. Elijah said, go grab those guys. We're going to kill them. No, we can't do that. But we can kill the spirit. We come together and pray. We believe God for the miracles. We fast and pray. We love one another. The, the greatest weapon that Satan uses in the church is to get us angry with each other. That's what he does. He destroys the love, the family love within the church. He destroys love in a family, a personal family, until family members are doing this. That's the devil, trying to destroy you, trying to destroy your family, trying to destroy your service to him. Okay? Well, we destroy that influence by prayer, by fasting, and by loving one another. Let our world see us destroy the demonic spirits that threaten us and our family. Let the world see us fall before God and worship him. Let the world hear us, who, the world that is watching, let them hear us say, please God, show up. Please God. That's a crazy statement. Why are you care? Well, Gary, can't you say something? No, no, please God, show up. Then pretty soon they ask you what you mean about that. You may have forgotten, <clears throat> but today... <clears throat> 
happens to be Pentecost Sunday. Did you know that? Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 to the 120 who were following him at the time, go into Jerusalem, go to the upper room, pray there, meet there, get in unity, because you're going to be endowed with power from the Holy Spirit. Okay, we know that. So 120 people joined together after Jesus was ascended, and they began to pray 10 days. Somewhere along the line, I am convinced that Peter got up and said, you know what Elijah told those people back then? Elijah said, please, God, show up. And I think John said, why don't we sing that? Please, God, show up. And they began to sing, please, God. And for 10 days, I think, my personal feeling, I can't back it up with Scripture, but I don't care. Back it up with my own spirit. Please, God, show up. Please, God, show up. Please, God. And it says, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole place where they were. And what? Tongues of fire sat on 120 people. Did God come down in fire on the day of Pentecost? I think he did. Please, God, show up. And he showed up. Fire came down. They began to speak in tongues. And all the people that were around heard them and understood them because they were speaking in languages that those people came from. Please, God, show up. The world is watching us. You know that. I know that. I also know God is watching us. The world is watching everything you do. God is watching everything we do. The world is checking out your spirit, how you feel about this, that, or the other thing. So is God. And he keeps his eye on us, Gary, and blesses us and protects us and provides for us like, I can't believe. I can't believe. But that's what happened to Elijah at the crest of a frustration of a nation called Israel, God sent one man, one man, and said, I want you to go down there. We're going to straighten this whole thing out. Are you, are you willing to go, Elijah? Elijah said, anywhere you want me to go, I'll go. But he said to God, please, God, show up. I don't want you to forget that phrase. I don't forget it. I pray it every day. Please, God. Show up. And as I pray that from my heart, I look to him. And I know, I know that he hears me, Jason. I know he hears me. And I know he responds to that because he respects that I want to see him. I don't want to see me. I want to see him coming in power and strength and authority so that we can see what happens when that power and strength and authority flows through us like it flowed through Elijah and that consumed that entire offering, and Israel fell on their face and said, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. That's what New Hope is about. Please, God, show up. Maybe we can make that our new motto. Please, God, show up. Put that right under the new Christian sign outside, New Hope Christian Center. Please, God, show up. And take it seriously. I know you do. I appreciate, I appreciate you letting me preach to you like the only way I know how to preach. I'm sorry. This is the only way I know how. From here, my heart, from my spirit. So pray with me 
And especially for our friends who couldn't be here today who were away, and I understand that. And that's going to happen from time to time during the summer. And God bless them and God protect them. But wherever they are right now, please, God, show up. Wherever you have to be tomorrow, please, God, show up. Amen? Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. We have the word to stand on. You're not far away. You're right within us. Your spirit is within us. And somehow I pray that we learn from your word, that we ask the right questions, that we dig and dig and dig until we find the gold that you have hidden in your word. That as we touch the gold, it changes our lives. We begin to worship you. We begin to, begin to praise your holy name. We begin to witness of your great power and your great love and your great glory. Bless this beautiful congregation. Bless them. Bless them, I pray. Keep your heads bowed, please. I felt that I was praying last night that I would need to pray for somebody. I'm not going to, inter- I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let you sit right where you are. And heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to pray from here. I'm not going to ask you to come down. You can if you like. But I felt the need to say, there are some people here this morning who are agreeing with me. And you're saying, please, God, show up. Because there are things going on right now in your life. You need God to show up. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand quickly. Just raise your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see, yes, I see those three hands. Yes. Anyone else? I'm going to pray. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You just Lord, there are things going on in my life, Pastor. I need God to show up. And I appreciate the message because now it shows me God is a God of fire. Anyone else before I just pray for these four people? Okay? Anyone else? Father, thank you for these beautiful people who responded. Thank you for a beautiful church of a wonderful spirit, loving and kind and merciful. Whatever's going on in the lives of these folks who raised their hand, you know it. You're aware of it. And perhaps this message has touched the right spot in their lives so that suddenly they can see a way out. Suddenly they can see fire fall from heaven and clean up the mess that was made that they didn't even make themselves. But others contributed to that. And God comes down in fire, burns it all away, and makes us clean. Whatever's going on in these lives of these four people, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will touch them like they've never been touched before. I pray that the, the comfort and the warmth of your love will surround them. And I pray that whatever they're dealing with, or whomever they may be dealing with, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon them. Give them personal strength. Give them spiritual strength. Give them wisdom to see what to do, what to say, and when to do it, and when to say it. And for this, we will thank you, and we will praise you, for we ask it in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We have some goodies out there. If I can pray for you personally... Please come up because I'm not in any hurry to get out there and put on all those calories. But if I can pray for you personally, please, I'm going to see you right here. Come and see me. Otherwise, God bless you. Let's enjoy ourselves out of the kitchen. Bless you.